Well, this is the 10th anniversary of the attack on the, our country that is so celebrated. The day in which a lot of lives were taken, and since then a lot of lives have been given to fight so that that doesn't happen again. We need to always remember, it seems anymore in the media, that they put more meaning on the lives that were taken than on the lives that were given. But we need to remember those who decided to take up arms and to fight, to battle those who came after those uh, people in this country and planned to come after more. But glory to God. He is better. As we pray for our servicemen and women that are overseas fighting, we pray that the plans of the enemy are stopped, they're exposed, that the things that they throw against us don't work. We can pray for God's protection over our soldiers because they're protecting those that are over here. We thank God for that. So, Father, we just thank you for the hand of protection that is on all those servicemen and women that are overseas fighting and battling these things. We thank you, Father, that every plan that the enemy has against us, whether it's overseas or here, is exposed and brought to light for the glory of God and not for the glory of man. For the glory of your power, not because of what great things we have put in place. But, Father, I thank you that they're exposed in such a way that we give honor and glory to you. We thank you for it. Father, we thank you for this country of ours. We thank you that we've been able to be born here, to grow up, to learn of your word and worship freely, that we help spread that freedom to others. As we look to your word here today, we thank you for the help that you give us. You open up our eyes and enlighten us. Oh, we give you the glory and the praise for it. And with all things that are in your word, we can understand. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can turn over to the third chapter of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 3. There were migratory birds in the U.S. that were tagged by the Department of the Interior with metal strips reading WASH, W-A-S, period, B-I-O-L, period, and S-U-R-V, period, standing for Washington Biological Survey. The code was changed, so the story goes after a farmer from Arkansas wrote to the department as follows. Dear sirs, I shot one of your crows. My wife followed the cooking instructions attached. She washed it, boiled it, and served it. It was the worst thing we ever ate. <laughs> Sometimes change comes about because of the strangest things, huh? We've, we're taking up a, a section here in our, in our series on doubters about the will of God. And we look around at some of the things that are going on and we think that there ought to be a change that things shouldn't be going on the way that they are. Why is it things that are this way if the will of God is this way? Why is there not a change? Why doesn't it change? Why, is it, why does God allow this? How many times have we ever heard people say the question, why does God allow this? Oh, we ask that all the time. So we're going to look at this today. We may, I put this in your outline. We may learn that God's will is healing Meeting needs, bringing hope, restoration, and abundance. But what do we do with the, partic- with the picture we see in the world of sickness, poverty, despair, separation, etc.? Is God not allowing this? What is it that's going on? How is it that this kind of things are happening? In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, we'll be there first. We'll be over in Acts chapter 3 eventually. But in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were... 
Pharisees and teachers, the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in, lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop, let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. They glorified God and were filling, filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. And they all went home. But we saw in the passage, the Scripture, we've covered this before, that the power of God was present to heal them. So I put this question here for you. If the power of God was present to heal them, which is more than one, right? If the power of God was present to heal them, would it not also mean it was His will to heal more than one? If the power of God was present to heal them, wouldn't it also stand to reason that the will of God was that people in that meeting would receive healing? Did they? No, only one. So we see that there was a dis discrepancy between what the will of God was and what actually happened. Now, if that was the will of God, we're assuming, of course, that this was the will of God. If that was the will of God, what stopped it? It's, it's people that stopped it, isn't it? People who got shut down because who is this man who forgives sins? And so they got something upset on the inside of them. And got, became offended. I'll tell you what, folks. You just need to, to stay out of that area of being offended. Just, just stop it. It does not help you. If you allow offense to come into your life for any reason, I don't care who's at fault. If you allow offense to come into your life, it will hold you back. Don't allow yourself to be offended. But you don't know. No, I don't. But don't allow yourself to be offended. Don't, don't do it. It will hold you. It will hurt you. It won't be good. So we see a discrepancy here, and man is the cause of it. We'll go to Mark, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simeon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about villages in the circuit teaching. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. So was it God's will to do miracles and mighty works in this city too? Yeah. Otherwise, why would it say that he could do no mighty work? It sounds to me, when it says it that way, that he wanted to. And Jesus is here to do the will of the Father. 
So he wanted to do mighty works. But he could do no mighty works. Why? Because of their unbelief. Is it a lack on the will of God? No, there's no lack on the will of God side, is there? It is the will of God that people in this town would receive mighty works. But they didn't receive it. They didn't get it. The reason for it not being manifested is because of their unbelief. So in the story before, we saw they got offended. Offense will cause unbelief. Here we see that they got offended because of him. And offense will cause unbelief. And so they don't believe and he couldn't do any mighty work there. It said, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and got them healed. A few minor things got taken care of, but that's all he could do. He tried to do what he could, but that's all he could get through because of their unbelief. And so what he did instead was he got his disciples and he sent them out two by two. If they won't receive from me, they can receive from them. So the will of God is for people to be healed. They're standing in a way. Can you see how God tries to circumvent, circumvent it? I'm going to find a way to get healing to you. If you'll let me. I want to find a way to get healing to you. But you've got to let me. And so he sends these out two by two. They won't receive from me. If they're offended because of me, then you guys go out. And you do it. And Jesus went about teaching in their villages. Because teaching can produce faith. Which will overcome the unbelief. So he's trying to get that, that going. Mark chapter 9. And when he came to his disciples, verse 14. When he came to his disciples... He saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So his father, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. We've taught on this part before. That there's, it is not that prayer and fasting cast out demons. Prayer and fasting does not have any effect upon demons at all. Prayer and fasting has an effect on you. When they said, what was the problem? He said, because of your unbelief. So this kind comes out, is talking about the unbelief. Because that was the problem. This son was, since childhood, bothered by this thing. Was it the will of God that that would be done? Well, if you looked at it, and you saw how long was going on, you would say, well, I guess God must want this going on because nothing's changed. The disciples laid hands on them and nothing happened. Does that mean it's the will of God that it goes on? No. 
then Jesus comes down and he says to them, O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Bring him here to me. And he casts out the demon. If Jesus casts out the demon, is it the will of God that the demon go? Did the will of God suddenly change? Our God doesn't change like that. If it's the will of God for people to be free of demons, if it's for the will of God for people to be free of disease, then it is always the will of God that people be free of demons and people be free of disease. We looked at the one last week. He was lame since birth. And the disciples said, Who sinned, this man or his parents? That he was born blind. And Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. We're, we're, we're asking the wrong questions. We ask the wrong questions, sometimes based on an assumption, a wrong assumption. And that gets us into a wrong place. We don't need to be doing that. Here in this particular story, did the fact that the disciples could not cast out the the demon spirit demonstrate the will of God? Obviously not if Jesus came around and and cast out the demon. So it didn't demonstrate the will of God. But too often times, Christians look at failure in prayer as depicting the will of God. They don't look that it could be unbelief like it was in this situation. Why could we not cast it out? Because of your unbelief. It's not that it was the will of God that that would go on. The will of God was that the demon thing come out. And Jesus was, had expected that they'd be able to take care of situations like this. And instead, we couldn't do it. Oh, faceless generation, how long will I be with you? Bring them over here. Let's get this taken care of. Because God wants it done. So just because we see a situation go on for a long time. Jesus asked them, how long has this been going on? Since childhood. Even though we see a situation that's been going on for a long time. Even though we have brought it before, prayer before, and it has stayed. That does not mean it's the will of God. Now, some people will sit there and say, well, I don't know about that. Then you show me scripture on it because I've shown you three. And I could keep going and show you more. You couldn't show me a single one to prove the other point. And if you want to continue to go on and believe that, then that's why you're still in that situation. Well, that was good anyway. Did the will of God change so that Jesus was able to do this? Did the will of God change so that Jesus was able to do it? Did all of a sudden God say, God the Father say, you know what, I like this boy being demon-possessed. It gives me entertainment. And the disciples came up to cast him out. And he said, no, I don't want to cast out yet. And then Jesus comes along. All right, we'll go ahead and do it. No, that's not right, is it? That'd be ridiculous to believe something like that. Just because a situation has been around for a long time, just because it has survived prayer, faith, speaking to the situation, does not mean that God wants that situation to continue. What determines whether it should continue or not? The Word of God. In the Word of God, we find out His will. Just because we see situations that don't line up with it doesn't mean that that's the will of God. Turn over now to Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So daily they put this guy at the temple. He couldn't do a whole lot. But they brought him over here to sit at the temple. What do you think he did at the temple? He begged for money. Every day, this is his spot. 
He's got his spot. This is my spot. You know, you need to get me over there. I'm going to be there every day. If I miss a day, maybe somebody else takes my spot. I don't want anybody else to take my spot. That's my spot. They take them down there every single day. They put them in the spot. We don't know how long, how old this guy is. I tried to do some looking up to see if anything Jewish tradition has an age for this guy, but couldn't find anything on that. Just as a certain man, we know he's not a boy. All right, we, we know he's a man. A certain man laying from his mother's womb. This has been going on just like the other situation ever since he was born. Remember the disciples' question, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This one was born lame from his mother's womb. They laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eye upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them, or he gave them his attention. He gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Well, this is what we need to do, isn't it? Get our attention. So Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaped, he stood, walked, and entered into the temple. God was happy. Now, I pondered on this for a while. Because, you know, one of the best things to do about Scripture is when you hear the story in the Bible, you need to put yourself into it. You need to get yourself into that story. Not just hear just the words on the page, but live the whole story. How many times have you read a book and then they put the book and animate it and put it on the, the screen? And sometimes if you read the book, you're disappointed because of what they did in the screen. But instead of just having the picture now in your mind... Now you have the picture in front of you. There it is. You can, you can see it. So I began to put myself into this picture and begin to meditate on this thing. So Now he's been there. He's a man now. That would mean he's more than a couple of years old. That would mean that he's been at the beautiful gate every day for a long time. It would tell me that he survived Jesus' ministry. Wouldn't it tell you that? This is not many days after Jesus Christ arose and was ascended into heaven. And Peter and John came to the temple. This man, who was lame from his mother's womb, survived Jesus' ministry. So if he's at the gate of the temple, when Jesus came to the gate of the temple, I don't know how many gates exactly there were. This is one of them. If Jesus came by another gate and didn't see him, but if he came in through the beautiful gate, which I don't know about you, but if you've got a temple and it's got a couple of gates and one's called beautiful, how many of y'all going there? <laughs> I think sometimes you want to try that, that gate out. Let's go in the other way. See what the other way looks like. But anyway, so I began to think about it. How would this man have survived Jesus' ministry? Because Jesus never came upon anyone that he refused to heal them. No, no, no. It's the will of God that you be sick. You stay that way. Never did that. Closest he came was a woman from Tyre. Didn't want to pray for her, take time for, for her. But because of her faith, he did. That's the closest we came. But there were many meetings that Jesus had, and they brought multitudes of people out. And the Word of God says that he healed them. So I began to think about ones like that. That 
there were multitudes of people and this man was never in the meetings. Because if this man was in the meetings, wouldn't he be part of the all that was healed? He's got people that every day bring him to the temple. How much harder is it to bring him to the meeting? Is it, is, I mean, when Jesus is in town, he's in, he was in Jerusalem many times. How hard is it to bring him to the meeting? What about the man? How many, how many people did we hear in the Word of God, the woman with the issue of blood, when she heard about Jesus? The centurion, when he heard about Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus, when he heard it was Jesus. How many times do we hear people say in the Word, when they heard about Jesus, they latched onto something, became faith-bound, and believed God for their healing. How many times do we hear that? So, what they were hearing about Jesus was good things. When they heard, when the woman with the issue of blood heard that people just came up and touched the hem, just touched, touched his, his clothing, then they got healed. She got the idea, oh, I can just come and sneak up behind and touch the hem of his garment. Then I can be healed. When blind Bartimaeus heard that blind people were getting healed, he thought, if I could just get to where Jesus is, I could be healed. Then it built faith inside these people when they heard that someone was coming around and everybody in the meetings were getting healed. If you were a man who was lame from your mother's womb, who every day was dragged out to the temple to hang out there by the temple gate all day begging alms, and then somebody brought you on back. And then the next day you started all, all over again. Every day. No days off. Every day. Do you think there were some days that he didn't feel like going? You say, well, begging is not hard work. But I'll bet there were some days he didn't feel like going through it. Hearing the things that he probably heard from people. Don't you think hey, something would have built inside this man to say... There's got to be another way. If, you, if a man like that would have heard about Jesus, do you think he would have said to the people that brought him to the temple gate, would you take me down to the meeting? I heard Jesus is in town. Instead of taking me to the temple gate, can you take me down to the meeting with Jesus? How many of you think that would be a logical thing to have happened? So since it didn't go on, I'm beginning to think, all right, what happened here? Why did it not go on? So he's got people who are bringing him down to the meetings. So my thought went to this. What if the men or people who brought him down to the temple didn't agree with Jesus, didn't like Jesus, were one of those who were critical of his ministry, were one of those like the people in Capernaum who shut down the power of God. What if some of these people who brought him down every day were people of this? And instead of people like the, the woman with the issue of blood who heard things that she could build her faith on, blind Bartimaeus who heard things he could build his faith on, and others, they heard things they could build their faith on, all he was hearing was, he's a fake. He's not of God. He's of the devil then if you were only hearing this about Jesus, would you ask to go to the meeting? Take me over to the temple. 
And then when no one was coming to the temple because they're all out at the meeting and your alms were a little low, what would you be thinking? Man, that Jesus, I can't wait till he gets out of town. Then the people start coming back to the temple and I can start getting my alms back up again because I didn't get a whole lot out of there to live on today. Can you see where a negative atmosphere could be built towards Jesus? Now, how is it that Jesus combated that when there was a negative attitude towards him before? He divided them up two by two and sent them out. You all go. I'll go out here and I'll teach. See what we can do that way. But you all go. You lay hands on the sick. They don't know you as well. So look again at verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I. Silver and gold I don't have. I copied this over in the King James for some reason. Or it came over in the King James. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. We've gone over this section of Scripture before, but it bears repeating. You can only give what you have. And you can only give what you know you have. Have you ever gone to the grocery store with your Mac card? And when you got in there, you weren't sure how much was in? You, can't, you can only go to the register and give what you have, but you're not sure what you have in the account. And you know you can't give what you don't have. And that makes you kind of timid, doesn't it? Well, I won't buy as much. I think I'm pretty sure I've got 50 in there. I'll just, I'll just spend like 40. I'll be safe. But you had planned to do a little more than that. You can only give what you know you have. Peter and John came here and they said, silver and gold, that's not what we have. What we do have, we give you. So they had to know what they had. You've got to know what you've got in order to give it away. If you don't know you have it, then you don't know you can give it. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now look at this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He first off, he got him to the place of expecting. He said, look on us. He mentions nothing about Jesus. He just says, look on us. And the man looked at them expecting to receive something. See, this is what you have to do as a minister of the gospel. You need to get the people to the place of expect expectation. If you can get to a place of expectation, if you can get people to a place of expectation, they'll receive. There's nothing worse than praying for someone who has no expectation. They won't receive anything. That's why we tell you in here, come with a prayer request. Ask what you're, what you're believing God for. Have expectation. You could have expectation. You can come in here and say, I expect that I'm not, this and this and not doing so well today. But I expect when I get in there and the worship starts playing that I'm just going to receive my healing. We've had, had people healed just during the worship service. No one even prayed, laid hands on them or nothing. And if your expectation is there, that can happen. If you don't expect it, it won't happen. But this, they got him to a place where he expected something. He gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. He's expecting to receive something. Look on us. Now, he wasn't expecting to receive anything spiritual. He's just, oh, they got some money and they, they want to give me some. I'll give them my attention. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And before that could even set into him, he grabbed them by the hand. If the man had faith in the name of Jesus, you wouldn't have probably had to grab him by the hand. Because Jesus told people, the one story we looked at, take up your bed and walk. What did the man do? 
lay there, took up his bed and walked. The man who was by the pool, I don't have anybody to put me in. Rise, take up your bed and go home. So he rose, took up his bed and went home. Jesus didn't yank him up. But Peter reaches on down and yanks this guy on up. But he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up. He identified which Jesus this was. In case you're wondering, this is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And immediately, isn't that what the Bible says? And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. And he reaches down, grabs him, and yanks him up. And all of a sudden, he is made healed by the name of Jesus. So if he had any ill will, ill-conceived ideas about Jesus' name, all of a sudden he got healed through it. You think he changed his opinion about it? If he had a bad opinion, we're making that assumption, of course. And he leaped up, stood and walked and entered in with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. Now, we don't know how long this guy has been here, but it's been a while. People would ask, why is it that Jesus never healed this guy? And we go around inside, and, but we would be making the assumption that one, Jesus didn't want to heal him. Or Jesus didn't want to bother with him. Why wouldn't Jesus heal this, this guy? Why don't we ask the question, why didn't the man believe in healing when Jesus was around? Why don't we ask that question? We don't. We ask the question, why didn't Jesus heal this guy? But the better question would be, why didn't this man receive it when Jesus was walking? Not why did Jesus miss him? Because we saw that the people that Jesus missed are people who were in unbelief and doubt in offense. This man probably got offended somehow over the name of Jesus and could well have been by the people who brought him there every day. So, Peter and John, they say, look on us, they create expectation. Silver and gold we don't have. They identify. Well, we put it this way for you. When look on us, you're transferring this over to what you do. Create expectation. You need to create expectation to folks that are around. Silver and gold, identify what you have. What do you have to give? Identify it. What do I, what I do have, I give you. And for you, freely give what you have. Freely give what you have. Don't put restrictions on it. As the Word of God tells us, freely you have received, freely give. Silver and gold, identify what you have, and then freely give what you, what you have. Peter and John, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, know what you've got, and then freely give it. In the name of Jesus, by the power Jesus gave us. By the power Jesus gave to us. It's by His power. It's not by me. It's by His power. We're operating His power. And all the people, verse 9, saw Him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was He which sat and begged for alms at the beautiful gate. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. Now, before the story we looked at last time, they were, is this the same guy? But here, they knew it. This is the same guy. We don't need to identify Him. This is the same guy. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to Him. And as a lame man, which was healed, held, which was healed, held Peter and John and all the people riding together under them in, which, in the porch, which is called Solomon's Great, greatly wondering. 
And when Peter saw it, he answered and said unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel at this? Or why look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? You see, this is the thing the, thing the devil wants to bog us down on. He wants to get us bogged down that is by our power. You don't have any power. What power do you got? Or he wants us to think about how we missed it with God this week. By our own righteousness, we're going to heal people. Or I'm going to get healed. You don't get healed and you don't give healing by your own righteousness. You do it by His. He says, why do you look on us as if by our own righteousness or our own holiness or our own power we did this thing? Why do you marvel at this? In other words, it's not because of us. It's not by our own power. Go down, down to Acts 4, because you know, Peter gets into a preaching and a message there. Verse 1, And as they spoke unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now evident. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000, and it came to pass on the morrow, on the next day, that the rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined for the good deed done to this, this uh, lame man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set... This is, this is the stone which was set... By, I'm missing this one. This was a stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. They rejected Jesus. They said, this is the same Jesus that you rejected. In case you're wondering, the same one that you killed, crucified, he's the one. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Well, it sounds to me, if you were here on Wednesday night, it sounds to me, like Peter went out with his armor on. We were talking about the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation sometimes is, is talked about in one way. We were talking about it in another way. That the helmet of salvation is what identifies you. It identifies you. You put that helmet on, you know what the helmet of a Roman soldier looks like. Every army has a unique helmet. And we put ours on. Our unique helmet is we are saved by the work of of Jesus Christ, not by our own works. We are unique from every other religion in this. There is no work that we do. It's only the work that Jesus did. It's His righteousness that we wear and not our own. It's His. He put that on. He's identifying Himself. I'm putting my helmet on. I'm a member of the army of Jesus Christ. So it sounds like Peter has the helmet of salvation on, among other pieces Verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> now, these guys had been with Jesus. They hung out with Him. 
And behold, the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. What can you say? Everybody has seen that this guy's been lame. Nothing's been done. The Pharisees have been walking by him all this time. Nothing's been done. All of a sudden, Peter and John walk on by. And now the man's up, leaping, praising God. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves. You all need to get out of here. We need to talk among ourselves for a little bit. What shall we do with these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done by them is, is made known to all that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. We can't, we, they would want to deny it. They would prefer to deny that a great miracle has been done than to give glory to the name of Jesus. But that it spread no further among the people, let us, let us uh, strictly warn them, threaten them. They speak from this point on to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken or to listen to you more than unto God, you judge. <laughs> How important do you think you are? Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? Go ahead, you tell us. Which one should we do? Let everybody know. Identify yourselves. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which is done. All the people glorify God. All the people are saying, wow, what a miracle, what a thing. And here the spiritual leaders are, and they're going to throw water on it. We can't do that because we can't persecute these guys. We can't do anything to these guys because the whole congregation, the people that are out there, see this as a great miracle. But they would have if they could have. You wonder why stuff that God wants is not going on in this world when there's people like this even today who would prefer to deny the miracles done by God than to give Him credit. They prefer to shut down the power of God than to see people helped. That's their preference. So they found no way to punish them, so they let them go. And if you go on with the rest of the story, you'll see they went to their own people and they prayed and they prayed a wonderful prayer to God. And they said, now fill us with more boldness. And they got even more boldness and went out and did even more things. And what are they going to do? So our commission in this world is to change what doesn't line up with God's will. That's our commission in this world. We are to see what the will of God is and see what, the, what is going on in the world and we are to change it. We're to change it. We're not, around, we're not supposed to be going around saying, Why has God allowed this? Why has God allowed this? Because look at it this way. We had the will of God. Jesus came down on this earth and He went into the temple and He opened it up and He read what the will of God was for Messiah. Heal the sick. Open the eyes of the blind, the deaf, and the deaf seed, all that sort of stuff. He, he laid it all out that this is what we're supposed to do. This is what the Messiah is going to do. And he went out there and did that. And he raised up others who would go out there and do the same thing. Lay hands on the sick. He commissioned them. These signs will follow them that believe. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He taught his disciples how to lay hands on the sick. How to cast out demons. He gave them the authority to use his name. And when they found situations that didn't line up with the will of God. And they didn't change it. He rebuked them. The question is not why does God allow these things to go on and cause bewilderment, bewilderment for us as to what is the will of God. That shouldn't be happening. The Word of God tells us exactly what His will is. 
The world does not. We don't learn what the will of God is by studying the world. By studying what's going on. By studying what's happening. That's not the, the will of God. Now, some of you are all ready for this afternoon. Right? Football season. Already started on Thursday night, but we got games going on today. Now, I just want you to, even if you're not a football fan, you can picture this. you got two coaches on both sidelines. Both coaches have had weeks to prepare for this game, and they have, have made plans, offensive plans, defensive plans. And when they go into this game, they are thinking that their plans will win them the game. Do you think that there is any coach out there today that is taking the field at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock or whatever time they take the field that is believing, man, we're going to die? <laughs> they made the plans for the purpose of undermining the other team, taking away their strengths and making that so. But how many of you all know it's only going to work for one coach? One coach will have success and one coach will not have success. Does the, do you interpret what happens on the field of play between two teams as being the will of the coach? Well, I guess that coach just didn't want to win today. I mean, look at that. I guess he just didn't want to win. Is that the will of the coach? No. The will of the coach is to win the game. But there's the execution of it. The execution can be faltered because of a bad plan. A better plan by the other coach. Bad players. Players having a bad day. Players that became injured and weren't out there on the field. All kinds of things can come on and can change that from, from coming about. But it doesn't change the will of the coach. The will of the coach is win the game. We look out into the world and we see people that are sick. We see people that are in poverty. We see people that are downtrodden we see people that are depressed we see people that are uh, any number of things and we say why does god allow it that's not the plan of the coach it may be the execution of the players but it's not the plan of the coach we may be dropping the ball we may be confusing the plays we may be the ones missing the blocks not making the catches getting beat by the other team receivers. Those things may be happening. We may be the one out there, but that doesn't reflect on the will of the coach because if the team is doing that and they come into halftime and they're down 28 to 0, does the coach say to them, you all have done this just the way I wanted you to. I really appreciate your effort out there. This is all. No, what's he do? He starts to yell at them. He starts to get in. This is not what we talked about. This is not how... The Word of God has depicted what we are to do. We are to see the difference between the will of God and what is going on in this world. And we are to take what is going on in this world and bring it up to the will of God. The will of God is for health and for people. And people are operating down here in sickness. So what are we to do? Go in there and, and bring them from the place of sickness to the place of health. And bring them into the will of God. Well, some people don't do it. Well, Jesus faced the same thing. It doesn't mean it's not the will of God. It means some people just won't go along with it. 
How many of y'all know that a coach may have some people that during the course of the season may say, I don't like this coach. I don't like this team. I'm not getting the ball enough. I'm getting blamed too much. I'm not this. I'm not that. I don't want to be on the bench. And they bring a bad attitude in. We can do the same thing. We can get offended. We cannot do the things that we're supposed to be doing. But that's not the plan of God. The plan of God is to take what is not the will of God and to change it. But there are some people who will refuse. There are some people, like in this story, who will say, we would rather deny this power go on. We would rather this man continue to be lame than to see this kind of power of God demonstrated. There are people that are out there like that. And we ask, is God allowing this? The way that, that Jesus demonstrated, the way that God demonstrated, was to change the, what was going on in this world and bring it in line with the will of God. He sent people. Go back into the Old Testament. When the children of Israel rebelled against God and went in a different direction than was the will of God. The will of God was, serve me. Serve me, I'll be your protection. Honor me. Don't honor other gods. Just serve me. That was the will of God. And when they wandered from that plan, what did God do? He sent prophets. He sent people to talk to them. Some of them did miracles. Some of them demonstrated the power of God to get their attention. But they began to say, Thus saith the Lord. Don't go this way. Don't serve these other idols. Don't do it. Come back to God. And sometimes the people of Israel listened and we saw them close the gap between what was the will of God and what was actually happening. And other times, they refused. Was God allowing that? God did everything He could to prevent it from going on. He sent people. Don't do it. Go get out of that. And they didn't listen. But God will not come down Himself and move people. He won't do that. What He will do is empower you and send you off. And so this is our commission, folks. This is what we are to do. If we see a situation where the will of God is not being met, where the will of God is not being lined up, we are to bring the power of God, such as we have, into the situation and give it freely. If they refuse it, all right, but we know why. The will of God's not going on here. It's not that God's allowing it. It's that people are being offended. People are walking in unforgiveness, bitterness. People are refusing to believe in Jesus. And that's why it's going on. So, have at it. Enjoy it. Enjoy sickness and disease. Enjoy the, the pain and the thing that's going on in that situation. Whatever it is. Enjoy the poverty. Enjoy the, the lack. Because God can't get in there and minister. We won't let it. Now, we've all got situations that we've... we've We've looked at in our lives, how many of us have situations, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have situations that have survived prayer? Situations have been going on a long time and they've survived prayer. And we have determined this must be the will of God. And that's wrong. The devil wants that. Remember, we've been on the, the um, spiritual armor on Wednesday nights. The first piece of armor was the belt of truth. What the devil wants to do is to change the truth. He wants to change the truth. He wants you to get, to get you to believe something different than what God actually said. He wants you to believe that something is the will of God that is not the will of God. 
He wants you to believe that. If he can, then he's messing with the belt of truth. That which holds everything together. He's messing with it. And if he can get you get that messed with, he can start unraveling all the rest of the stuff that you have. Don't let him. The will of God is shown us in the Word of God. I don't care if my life lines up with it 100%. I don't care if I can develop aches and pains or fall to sickness and disease. That does not stop what the will of God is. The will of God is stated for us. Now, I need to get my life from this place over to here. But if I adopt the thing that, well, must be the will of God, it's been going on for a long time, must be the will of God, then that's why I'm walking in the things that I'm walking. It's up to us, folks. We can change it. But not just change it for our lives. Get out there and change it for others. We're believing to change people's lives and bring in at least six people before the end of the year. You should be looking around, letting God minister to you. Who is it that we can, we can, uh, we can turn around? Who is it that we can look around? The conference we were at this week, one of the things he threw out there is that there are always issues that come up and problems. We all know there's issues and problems. And he said, you know, you have an issue, you have a problem, it can bring you an opportunity. And he's shown us some principles from the Word of God on, on that. It was real wonderful stuff. Gave us the example, of, and you probably heard this one before, but the example of a, of a company that he, he used, and somehow they mismatched the decimal points or whatever, and they ordered too much canvas. They made tents and things like that, ordered too much canvas. And it was, it was not a small error. It was a very large error, and it was an error that would bring the company down. The company would die because of this error. And so they came into their, their meeting and they all met and we have this, we have an issue and it is bringing a problem. The, this issue and this problem can kill us. What can we do? And they said one of the persons in the room brought up the idea. It's not something that they had ever done. It's not something that they were even involved with. But he said, what if we take that extra canvas and we made pants out of it? And they embraced the idea and they made pants out of it and thus the company Levi's became very well known. But up until then, they were making tents and, and things like that. You see, a problem, an issue, was turned into an opportunity to bring something great. You look around at the people that are near you. They have sickness. They have disease. They have problems in their life. They need God. Those problems are not what is keeping them from God. Those problems are your opportunity to minister the power of God and to bring them where they are to the will of God. Peter and John came upon this lame man, lame from his mother's womb. And for most people, this is the problem. He's a problem. He can't work. He can't help himself. He can't support himself. He's a problem. But Peter and John looked at this guy and they say, I see an opportunity. And they raised him up through the power of Jesus so that he was walking and revival hit that city. Many people came to know the power of God. They turned that city upside down because it was an opportunity. There's opportunities around us. There's people that are sick. There's people that are dying. There's people that, that need God to minister to them. There are some people you can't get to because of their offense. There are some people that are offended at the name of Jesus. 
there are some people at the, offended at the idea that the will of God is for them to be healed. You can't get to them. They need to give you that opportunity, that open door. There's plenty more out there. If Jesus came upon people that he couldn't get to, he ministered what he could and went on to the next city. I put this in your outline. Are we changing or accepting? Are we changing or accepting? Are we changing the situations that we're involved with that do not line up with the Word of God? Or are we accepting them as the will of God? Are we changing or are we accepting? Are we looking around at the situations that are in our, going on with our neighbors and our co-workers? Are we just accepting them? Well, I guess it must be the will of God. It's been going on for a long time. It hasn't changed even though we prayed it must be the will of God. Are we changing or are we accepting? Have we decided that because things have survived prayer, it must be the will of God? Or are we going after something else? What is it that we need to do? We're going to impact people in this world. We need to be among the changers and not among those that are accepting. We need to be among the changers. What did Peter and John do? Peter and John did not go over all the doctrine of Jesus. They did not get the guy to overcome any hang-ups he had about Jesus. They simply got him to expect something. That's all. They simply got him to expect something. If you can get people to expect something, God will move. Not because of your power, not because of your righteousness, not because of your holiness, not because you're so good. Simply because God wants to take people that don't line up with the will of God and bring them to a place where they do. That's His desire. He cannot do it for everybody because of where they put themselves. But He is always willing. The question we ask, why is God allowing this? That's not the question. The question is, why are we? Why are we allowing it? Why have we decided that the forces that are against us are greater than the forces that are with us. We need to go back over the Word of God again and read over the forces that they had. How many times did Israel come out against a much greater army and win without even firing a shot sometime? Drawing a sword. It's all done for them. It does not matter what we are up against. It matters who we are with. We find out what the will of God is. We say, Father God, help us to overcome what they throw at us. That we can create change. Help us get them to a place of expectation. Expecting something. Because we can change things. I don't want you just to see that you can change your life and make your life better. Surely that's good to do. But God wants you to see that you can change the lives of those that are around you whoever they are. You can change their lives for the better. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you that we can be changers. We can be people that will change what is going on in this world. People that will alter what we see so that it becomes what the will of God is. The will of God is not determined by what we see in the world, but what we see in the Word. Help us to always hold on to that. 
Satan wants to get in and throw us other things, get us distracted. Has God really said? How do you know that God really wants that for you? Maybe He just wanted that for other people, but you are different. No, we need to get to that place where we expect. People in this day and age were seeing things done they had never seen. People blind from birth, people lame from birth, suddenly walking, suddenly seeing. Diseases that were thought incurable, like leprosy, gone in an instant. Demon spirits that seemed so powerful fled, never came back. Father, help us to get the vision to understand that we can change what is going around, going on around us. We don't look on them to determine your will, but we learn what your will is and bring it out to this world. Those who will accept it can receive change. Those who don't will stay in the situations that they're in, but that's not because it's the will of God. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us in this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope as you go out this week that you begin to look around for situations that you can change. If we're believing for the lives of souls, that means we need you out there. Working, ministering, helping people, bringing them in, letting them know, this isn't what God wants for you. God wants better. Will you believe? Will you expect a change? Will you let God come into your situation and change this? Lay hands on them. Pray for them. Do what the Word of God has said.